listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 8th of October 2021. Later, the US government agrees to temporarily lift the US debt ceiling so the market rallies. But first, to the work-from-home movement and the impact on CBDs. Private health fund operator NIB is encouraging its 1,200 employees to work from home at least four days a week and only come into office hubs for a purpose, like meetings or social events. And employees will get an extra allowance of $1,200 a year to help with the costs of working remotely, effectively paying them to rent a space in their home for work. I spoke earlier with its CEO, Mark Fitzgibbons. Mark, you're encouraging workers at NIB to work from home for four days a week. Why? Well, we're, we're giving them the option uh, to work at home to give them more uh, flexibility. And with that, we hope um, you know, it becomes greater uh, productivity. Um, and so far, it's proving very popular. And it's something, of course, Ricardo, that's only been enabled by technology. Um, you know, without the, the, the you know, the Zooms, the WebExes um, that we enjoy today, the t- telecommunications we enjoy, this wouldn't be possible. What kind of support have you had from employees to show that they want to do this? Well, it, it has been, it's now an option once lockdowns uh, come down, but it hasn't been an option in um, uh, recent months for all the reasons we, we understand. Um, so basically our policy is you get to work uh, wherever you choose to work. For most, that will be home. Um, it's important to understand people will come together. Uh, in our you know, future vision, people will come together into what we'll, we'll call hubs um, for where that's warranted, for training, induction, scrums, project meetings, client meetings, management meetings, uh, celebrations. So it's important to understand that in this world, people do come in the office where that's warranted, um, but that's not the default position as it has for, you know, in bureaucracies for probably you know, 150 years now. Isn't the issue there, though, that it needs to be planned collaboration then as opposed to um, being more spontaneous? A a bit of both. Uh, And certainly I think one of the consequences of this change will be leaders will be encouraged or even forced to be more deliberate about their fundamental management responsibilities, and that is, you know, making... uh, purpose clear in the organisation, setting goals and accountabilities, you know, organising the kind of collaboration, which sometimes happens uh, spontaneously, but more often than not needs to be coordinated um, and planned. For your employees, how are you helping them out financially and more importantly, mentally, if they are deciding to opt to work from home for those four days? Well, all employees, even if they come into work and we recognise For some employees, working at home is just not an option for them for all sorts of uh, circumstances. So hence, we are retaining a series of hubs uh, uh, within the business. Um, In terms of uh, supporting them, uh, all of our employees are getting $1,200 per annum as an allowance. Now, that that recognises two things. Uh, Firstly, we're effectively renting uh, their homes. But secondly, we're making a massive you know, productivity improvement, a cost saving associated with this. And philosophically, we think it's appropriate that we share that productivity uh, improvement with our people. Now, in terms of their psychological well-being, uh, we are acutely aware of the risk of loneliness uh, and isolation. Hence, we will be uh, um, arranging for people to come together 
where circumstances uh, are warrant. Uh, but look, I think, Ricardo, easily the, the greatest thing we can do for our people is to give them a very sick, clear sense of purpose and help them understand their role uh, in, in that purpose and be you know, providing them with, with the mentoring, the coaching and the kind of feedback that people naturally need. I'm really curious to get your view on the future of the CBD. I mean, we've had the new New South Wales Premier call for people to return to work with the easing of the mask mandate indoors sooner than expected. If more organisations are going to be doing what you're doing, though, what do you think it'll mean for the future of the CBD? And I guess more importantly, for those small businesses that operate within the CBD? Yeah. Well, look, I feel for the the people who have been impacted by COVID-19 in this way. Um, and nobody celebrates that kind of misery and disruption. Uh, but the truth of the matter is CBDs have been disrupted uh, in the past. You know, with the technology of the motor car, you know, retail was able to shift away from the radial networks, which fed CBDs, to go shopping in suburban uh, shopping centre. Now, this is another change being driven by technology. Only in this case, it's technology associated with uh, communication. So it's going to be disrupted, CBDs and their commercial uh, uh, tenants, but they will survive just as they did post-suburban shopping centres and the technology of the motor cars, and they will be backfilled most likely with more residential uh, development, hospitality, you know, pubs, restaurants uh, and, and entertainment. But there's no, no doubting it's terribly disruptive to a lot of businesses uh, within CBDs. NIB CEO there, Mark Fitzgibbon. To the Australian share market, which rose today, the S&P ASX 200 up by 0.9%, 7320. Uh, BHP, one of the best gainers, up 3%. Of course, it follows the US government's approval to temporarily increase its uh, debt ceiling. For more, I spoke earlier with Omkar Joshi from Opal Capital Management. Omka, the market seems to have rallied following the US debt ceiling deal, but this was never really going to fail, was it? Yeah, look, it's been an issue that's been talked about for many years and it happens again and again every single time it comes up. But the reality is it never becomes an issue. They normally get it through and as time would tell, I mean, this time again, they've got it through. Um, There hasn't been a problem and the market's popped, but it happens like this every single time really. So, yeah, I I don't think there was really any worry that would actually fail, but the market tends to always pop on the back of it because it's one less thing to worry about. What are the broader themes to be having a greater influence on the share market at the moment? Yes, at the moment, there's a few things going on. So obviously, the debt ceiling is one piece, which is now out of the way. And then there's also things like China at the moment with the energy crisis there, especially with coal and electricity, and that's flowing through into Europe as well. So there's a a broader energy crisis with gas prices, and it's flowing through into oil as well. So that's, that's been definitely a thematic over the last few weeks in particular. On top of that, there's also things around you know, the non-farm payrolls that will come out tonight and what's happening there. Bond yields have actually started moving up again. Inflation worries starting to creep up again. Also, lots of supply chain issues for a lot of companies coming through as well. And so all of those things are potential things to worry about at the moment in the markets, and, and they're all definitely driving markets at the moment. And I guess the last piece is really China's been off for the last week with Golden Week. They're coming back on, um, and so how that plays out. And, and we've also seen a bit of a pop in iron ore today. Um, now that it's started trading again, but does that sustain? Is that a short-lived bounce? And then we start to see it sell off again next week. So there's a few things there. One thing out of China that made headlines uh, last week was Evergrande. You didn't mention in that list. Does it, does it bother you? Are there concerns there? 
So I think what, what's been happening there has actually been something that's been talked about in China since the end of last year. I mean, they came out with their new rules around, you know, three red lines, et cetera, and they do want to deleverage the developers there. And so that's been something that you know, they've been focused on with the government. So while we started worrying about it a few weeks ago and you know, everyone was talking about it last month, it really wasn't a new issue. It's been something that's been happening for a while. It's not really a Lehman moment, although there's been a few comments around that. Potentially it is. Um, I think the big difference is that the Lehman moment means that it actually comes out of the blue. This has been pretty well known, well, well canvassed. The government's across it. And so it's actually a slower um, reduction in leverage. So I don't think Evergrande's too big an issue. I mean, we're seeing some of that spill over into some of the other developers in China as well. And look, that's not great from a demand perspective, especially for iron ore and obviously steel. Um, but I don't think it's a big issue that you know goes worldwide and becomes a big problem with lots of contagion or anything like that. Okay, locally, AGM season, um, CBA, one of the banks, next week. What what do you think are going to be the themes coming out of AGMs? So I think there's going to be a lot, lot more trading updates that come out of AGMs. I mean, we've already seen results happen, um, and I think what you're going to get is more of an update, especially when you think of so maybe some of the retail stocks. You'll get some sort of update in terms of what they're seeing trend-wise that you know, in the last couple of months since results came out. And that'll be interesting just given that some retail stocks have been shut down, but as we go into the reopening, what they're seeing, there's, if there's any update to their expectations. And then across the board as well, we'll probably hear a bit more around supply chain issues, how that's actually constraining earnings potentially, what that actually means, especially leading up into Christmas and also with the reopening. So we'll get a bit more commentary out of some of the companies um, that have their 30 junior end. So that, that's basically what I've been looking for. I'm Kai Joshi there from Opal Capital Management. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.